This is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. And Chris from Deeply Dapper. And it's time to... You can make it sound. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's perfect. Release the... Kraken! Surviving. It's been a long, <laughs> weird month. But it's been a long it. winter. <laughs> yeah, it has been. Yeah. Winter been jokes. Most of it in the Midwest, dealing with floods and Comic Cons and stuff. It seems like every time you travel from a con to another con, there's some sort of a disaster. Yeah, elk, really. Elk stampedes <laughs> and boulders falling and bushes lighting on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Getting caught in the middle of nowhere and. <laughs> religion you, i'm surprised that um i'm surprised that at this point windshields don't just crack when you get behind the wheel yeah, i have really bad luck with that i mean when you put on as many hours in a car as i do i guess it's not super surprising but i, I was dodging turkeys the whole way home from, <laughs> from kansas city this year well and that's the thing i don't know if i i don't know if i know anybody else who's had animals bouncing off of their windshields to the degree to which you have my kids don't count. I, that's, that's an unfortunate soundbite for later. They, they do throw <laughs> in themselves my in front of. <laughs> so this is a um, um, Alexa. Shut up. So this is a uh, somewhat abridged episode we're doing. We wanted to uh, bang out the first of our um, post viewing discussions on the final season of the game of Thrones, because we've done this before and it's fun and schedules being what they are. We wanted to get this thing uh, turned around pretty quickly before you jump on the road. And, and yeah, yeah, as best we can. Anyway, we're going to try and hit all the episodes or most of the episodes. Yeah. That's the Um, plan anyway. So you watched it shortly before I watched it, as I can tell, because my HBO Go mysteriously showed that the episode had been watched. I'm not saying that you watched the what? Same I don't HBO use Go as I did. Go account. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but what surprised me was it looked like your end. Well, some whoever used it before me, it looked like they stopped it before the uh, the after components, like the um... Lindsay doesn't watch the behind the show stuff. Ah, I see. He wants to be it's... immersed in the story and not the the the, the production. Potatoes. Yeah, I just wants the meat. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, right. Okay, she just wants the sausage. Okay. Um, yeah, we all, we always watch them after the season's over, but she doesn't want like. I'm sure they are very careful about not showing anything about next, like, episodes to come. But she's like, I don't yeah. want to interrupt any of that. So, you know, I'm with her. I don't like seeing the the coming up next stuff on any show. But what mm-hmm. I do, I do sit through the. This thing that they do where where um, Weiss and Benioff talk about the episode a little bit. The problem is it's very low content. Like they're saying yeah. stuff that's really it's it's blatantly off. Like it's no there there, right? Yeah. In no, this scene, we felt it was important for people to be emotional. Okay, <laughs> you know. <right? laughs> but you know, every once in a while, there's little bits there that I enjoy. So, but yeah, I, I'm with her. Okay, so uh, season eight, episode one, Winterfell. Yes. And so I don't have, I just took some, I just took a few notes. I don't have a, a thing up about, um, you know, 
the breakdown of the episode. How do you want to, how do you want to go through this? You want to uh, talk just about the different areas or different characters or how would you like to we do can talk about the different areas if you want? There's not, I mean, really it's three locations. So uh, relative to that, I think this is as good a time as any to note the first significantly different opening credits. Yeah. They've Notably changed it. Different. I mean, they've changed it all around, you know, all along with these. Yeah, they always tweak to show different locations and give you a kind of an idea of where that episode is going to occur. But this is definitely a, a significant change in every aspect of it. I thought it was really interesting because it helped uh, uh, focus your attention on how defensive they are, how mm-hmm. the expansiveness of of uh, Westeros has become basically two fundamentally two strongholds. Yeah, Winterfell, and then ironically enough, and then and then King's Landing, uh, to a lesser degree. And of course, there's other other things happening, but it focused uh, also on change, which I thought was really neat. Tiles yeah. flipping to show the ice, you know, showing the path of the of the uh, of the Night King's forces coming down through the on the King's Road and all that. I thought that yeah, was I love really the way they did the path with that. And then also, uh, I like that it went down into the uh, the crypt for the first time. And I mean, you know, a yeah. little bit of fan service showing the throne and all that. But I think it was just really neat that it it was passing through different areas of importance. Um, I thought that they were just focusing on areas that were relevant to the major beats of the final season. But I thought it was interesting that in retrospect, it was very specific, given that, you know, it went down into the crypt and the second to last scene in the in the episode is specifically in the crypt in a very obvious you know obviously symbolic place so yeah it's it was oh, we should say that there's obviously spoilers for this episode oh, yeah. uh yeah it's interesting they it was not only specific to what cities were going to happen in this but also specific as to what locations in those cities yes it was yes. kind of a unique take and then they changed all of the rings as well oh yeah all of the imagery on that was completely different uh, on the much, astrolabe. You know, uh, uh, that was, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's been my biggest complaint about, well, my two complaints on that opening credit sequence, the first one, you know, I won't repeat, but the second one is that that ring has always been very low resolution mm-hmm. or the astrolabe detailing has been really blurry. And, and I was always frustrated by like, why would that be <laughs> high res and detailed and glorious? Cause it's like in your the face. the sun is hot and it makes things wobbly. Yeah, I guess that's, that's fair. I'll give him that. Makes, makes it wobbly. All right. Well, okay. So, uh, what, you want to take us through this or do you want to, um, yeah, so we have two locations basically. And I mean, there's hard, what's the, what's that other place? The umbers. What's that one? Called? Uh, the last part. Last Hearth, um, which is where the Umber's house is slash was. Yeah. <laughs> so Circe, she doesn't have a lot of meat in this episode. It's basically just her confirming that she's not going anywhere, figuring out a way to explain her baby bump now that Jamie's off gallivanting. And then she hires Braun. I think that's it, right? So, are you actually seeing a bump? Do you see no. A bump? Okay. No. Because I'm still on the fence from last season about whether that's true. I think or whether she was using it as a plot, you know. As I a, think that's the only reason point. she had sex with him in this. Mm. That's I a think, really good point. 
I think she literally is like, okay, Jamie's rode off. He's abandoned me. I need somebody to publicly come back to my room while surrounded uh, by witnesses great so choice. that about I great have choice. an excuse for being pregnant. Mm. So interesting. So uh, Greyjoy brought the, what is it? The Golden Army or? Yeah, the Golden yeah, Company. Remember, the Golden Company. Um, and it was interesting that uh, they look great. <laughs> yeah, they look cool. But, yeah. <clears throat> but um, from the from the show's perspective, the the implication is that she didn't get quite what she was hoping for when she mm-hmm. bought their contract because they didn't bring elephants. Right. Um, and and when I read and I read a little into that afterwards, and I understand that in the books that's a really big deal that they have these giant elephant, you know, yeah. <laughs> tanks. Yeah. Right. Um, from the so it's always kind of funny when they're especially when they bleed in stuff from the books as nods to book readers, but they're not really they're not really uh, um, there's not really a point to it. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know I don't know either. There's no elephants because. <laughs> The budget is uh, has been assigned to the other episodes of the season, which obviously are going to be very expensive, um, or you know, or or as a plot device, they actually wanted to show that um, you know that was a setback for her. I prefer well, to look I at think it that way. Like the Golden Company prior to this was under control of a different character that's not even doesn't even exist in the show, mm-hmm. and they've doubled the size for the show to make it more impressive. But it's all over in like the marine area. So really getting elephants across the narrow sea would be a logistical nightmare. So I think that's a realistic move on their part as well as a as a budgetary adjustment. Um, I want to mention that uh, (laughs) the type of nerd I am, I was very uh, I was delighted in this episode about so much discussion about logistics yeah, uh, you know that about me. <laughs> that, that's the kind of thing that I really like. And, um, you know, I've always been really frustrated in shows where, you know, it takes one person five weeks to get from point A to point B. And then the next person, it takes them two days or one day. And, and Game of Thrones yeah. has definitely played fast and loose with with those issues. Especially but, last know, season. I remember yeah. you having all sorts of hurt butt. I did. <laughs> and uh, the in this episode, not only do we have the implication that maybe uh, – carrying elephants across the sea was a bad idea and they didn't do it. I like that. And I also like that Sansa uh, is all about principles of supply, principles of mass. I mean, she's just, (laughs) she's, she's being the, she's being the, uh, the leader with acumen and reason and responsibility that you rarely see in this show. But also still being kind of petulant and of course, (laughs) of course, but she's talking about it. And last season, she's, you know, they're working about their tanning and they're building the leathers or the leather armor and they're doing all this. And she's talking about the supply issues of bringing all these people together. Yeah. And here she's like, well, we managed all this at great, uh, with great difficulty. And now you brought me all, you know, all this additional stuff plus dragons. I don't know. I think that would, anyway, so we're getting ahead of it, but I I just like the fact that logistics are being talked about. Yeah. Which is great. Um, on, on the subject of Cersei though, also, uh, I felt that the mountain looked different. He looked uh, like bluer, grosser, weirder inside his helmet. Did you feel that way? Uh, I don't think it looked much different, but I do think he um, 
I think they allowed us to see more of it. Yeah. I think prior to this, he was his helmet sat a little lower down on his face, so you couldn't see it as well. Hmm. But I don't know because it was pretty gnarly in that scene where he takes his helmet off with Septa Unella or whatever. Yeah, the shame, right. shame, 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 shame. shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, thinking again about oh, okay, so so with Cersei, uh, we do they basically just hammered hammered home the the uh, foreshadowing that she has no intention of supporting uh, the Northerners and she, right. You know, it was just, it was just more of that, that she gets to scheme in the scheme at the Capitol um, in her cool uh, couture, uh, couture uh, fashion armor bits that she has, but she looks great. But yeah, at the same does. time, her, her outfits are amazing. And again, it's hard to say whether this is budget or not, but we're used to seeing King's Landing completely packed with people very active um and, and and i guess from the story's narrative she blew up a lot of people already <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it, it was very to me it was um uh it, it was right in my face that it was an empty keep she had mm -hmm. her security she has her hand she has herself but you see very little and whether it's because she's keeping everybody away and she's just doing that isolation thing she does or whether they're just using it metaphorically to show how isolated politically she is and how yeah. basically she's, she's got the throne, but nothing else. Um, and, and also, I mean, there's a thread through this whole episode about, um, you know, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. We don't have time for this shit. Um, <laughs> the game of Thrones is the least important thing happening <laughs> in Westeros. Yeah. In the narrative really. of, the, of the episode. And yet they they gave her, um, uh, proportionally, they gave her a lot of screen time sitting on the throne, standing by the throne, being in an empty hall with her ill-gotten gains. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was pretty deliberate. Yeah. Um, thinking about uh, Greyjoy once more, um, there was that scene where he's on the ship with Yara and, and being creepy. And uh, he made a comment about how uh, he's sailed over with a bunch of mutes. And I read a little bit, you know this, but uh, as the non-book book read viewer, uh, he made a reference. That reference seems to be an allusion in the books to the fact that his practice was to cut out the tongues of all of his sailors. Yeah. Uh, especially the ones that he conscripted to replace the ones that died in his raids so that they can't conspire against him because apparently they can't uh, write, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I thought that was, I guess that was a nod for, for book book fans but uh i just thought it just it was just him you know bitching that he had you know he, he just had minions at this point I right know. i don't know what did you think about uh um, theon's uh grand uh retaking of the ship and freeing of yara well uh well what's his name is in king's landing i don't know that it really matters that much <laughs> The whole Ironborn things, as much as I like them, I feel like it's kind of a a side story that's not that important at this point. But no, I, don't I wonder. Know. I wonder. I'm be wrong, but like... well, her 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 comment that she's going back to the islands, the one place where they can't reach them, um, right, was interesting. Which is yeah, and that is true, uh, but. By the same token, I think, isn't Dragonstone an island? I'm not sure if it's an island and, or just a peninsula. 
I can't remember. I and I know that they have like land and stuff to grow and that kind of thing, as yeah. opposed to uh, Pike, which is just a bunch of bridges, yeah. <laughs> basically. But I really felt like um, it was more about the completing the act or setting in motion the completion of the final act of Theon's story, because his story is actually one of the more important ones in the series. I yeah. I mean, yeah. granted, sometimes they were spinning their wheels with him in the middle middle seasons, but the, you know, the idea of I mean, you have so many threads <laughs> of um, of meeting expectation. Um, commitments that are met or commitments that are, you know, oaths that are sworn and then <laughs> immediately broken and, you know, uh, issues, father, you know, father figure issues and, and you know, parent child expectations and, and uh, bravery versus cowardice. I mean, there's so many things about his arc and uh, the, the ability to endure suffering from someone who has been traditionally viewed as a coward and then has suffered more than most in the show yeah. and has come back and has made a few, you know, he's made a few beats now where he, he put his own life in peril to save someone or to help someone. Um, and in the end of the last season or not the end, but towards the end of the last season, when Yara was captured and he took a jump and you saw her disappointment, you know, that was really um, interesting too, because it showed that he wasn't just a one note character that had just been flipped and was now, you know, the newly reformed Theon. He still yeah. had, Either it was self-preservation and logic or sheer panic. Yeah. He still, he still grapples with these issues. And I thought that was interesting. I think it was interesting that he went back and did the raid in the first place. Yeah. No, I agree. I didn't realize this at the time, but I read and then went back and looked. And there were a couple of cameos in that scene. Did you read about those? No. The guards that um, they take out in the foreground when they mm-hmm. when they come into the ship. One of them was Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks. He's the first one. Really he's taken out. Yep. And then oh. uh, and then the second one was um, uh, Rob. Uh, what is it? I always forget how to say his name. Racolini, uh from Always Sunny in Philadelphia was the second. Oh, really? One to get it. <laughs> yeah. Weird. I'll have to go back and look at that. This is a huh. medium con- medium content you expect from Robot Dragon. <laughs> 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 Two guys that I didn't recognize, but I should have recognized that I almost have their names right. <laughs> anyway. yeah, Dragonstone is an island, uh, but looking at the map, the Iron Islands is significantly larger. So I guess that would be a, a viable fallback if Westeros becomes infested with the dead. Interesting. Uh, I guess we could hit a couple of the major points in the story that we haven't touched on, and then we could talk about some of the thematic uh, or... Uh... How do you feel about the whole Cersei Braun scene? Uh, well, you mean um, via via um, via her hand, her hiring him to yeah, kill, right. yeah, well, with the crossbow that Tyrion used to kill his dad. Well, uh, I think so. I thought about that a bit. I think that it was very consistent with Cersei's um, psychological. Uh, yeah um perversions and her, her twist the knife twisting the <laughs> knife her jealousy and her vindic- vindictiveness she's done this before she killed the sands using their weapon right yeah um, right with the lipstick um mm-hmm. there's another there was at least another another example of this but um uh i part of me see the well okay 
So since the hand brought him, what's 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 his name again? Her hand, her crazy crazy magician. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> Any time that Kyburn. Any time that a character is referenced as having a motivation but is not on screen, there's some part of me that doubts whether we're getting the full story. Mm, yeah. It's it's probably true that Cersei did ask for this to happen. It seems accurate to me. It's also odd that she would send Kyburn to do it rather than. It almost seems like the kind of thing that she would have ha- walked in and had Bronn do herself. Yeah, but that's true. I, because it's so specific. It's such a yeah. specific thing. Then again, Kyburn has had a lot of these little missions. I mean, he is the hand, so he's been more handy. <laughs> more handy <laughs> than most hands that we've seen on the show. Um, yeah. the, the use of the crossbow was great. Him looking at the crossbow, not really understanding the import of it. Um, I thought that was pretty rad. Um, yeah. Uh, do you think he would do it? Because I remember no. an interview with him uh, after the last season where, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, what is what is the actor's name on that? Um, Jerome Flynn yeah. Yeah. said uh, something about how he worries that fans are going to like Braun less after season eight. Well, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I think it could go in a couple of directions. Um, he's got a relationship with both of the people that he has just been asked to kill. Right. But thinking about motivation, he would only do this if he was betting on that, on Cersei's horse. And there's no, and, and I'm not, and he's always proven, they make a big thing about him saying, you know, like, well, suddenly I'm so, I'm so popular. (laughs) I'm just a hired gun, you know, but suddenly, you know, I'm in much higher esteem in terms of what I can do and not do. Um, right. Even though he was bragging about it to the prostitutes, but you know, he's very uh, self-effacing about that. Mm-hmm. He's always struck me as an opportunist that is very reasonable. He's had an emotional um, beat with particularly Jamie, but he doesn't seem like um, he's not the one note bounty hunter type that you see. That's just like, I'm going to pay you to do a thing and it's irrational. Sure. I'll take, it. you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah. He's always seemed very pragmatic about yes. his loyalties. I can see him taking out Tyrion or Jamie or both. Mm-hmm. I can see him almost doing it and then not. I can also see him wounding one and then not going through with it. Yeah. I can also see him, uh, you know, approaching wavering and then being killed <laughs> do you know what i mean like yeah i don't I know mean, that's a, possible yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of what i liked about that scene is that we find it um plausible that it could go any particular way and in game of thrones often uh scenes seem to be going one direction right and <laughs> and a lot of our viewing a lot of our impression of the of the scenes is based on our experience watching the whole show versus what the characters know right we see a lot of that with you know you see sansa and and Daenerys and you're like, you know, Sansa doesn't see all the things that Daenerys has done and been through. And Daenerys doesn't understand all the things that Sansa has been through. Right. But when you look at that, when you go look at their encounters directly, you're like, well, that's exactly makes sense. Um, yeah. But in this case, you could see the threading of where this could go. And, um, and I like that. I like the uncertainty of it. Yeah. There's enough about Brahms character that would suggest that he might actually do this thing that you really don't want him to do as a viewer. But on the yeah, other hand, I mean, there's it's just as likely that he gets up there and sees the 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 army of the dead and realizes that they need to team up, or like you said, he goes to do it and can't, or 
somebody else sees it and kills him before he can stop. Yeah, it's 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 kind of all over the place, I think. Uh, additionally, though, you know, we've come into the season with this uh, statistic, statistically unusual rate of living characters that people like. And yeah. it's the last few episodes. And so the expectation is that every, everybody's going to be dying in a hurry. Uh, and the fact that and all but all but one minor character survived uh, this episode puts you in a mindset that it's very plausible that anybody could just randomly put a bolt through anybody else's head because yeah you know, yeah it's kind of crazy uh, like looking at the directors of the <clears throat> upcoming episodes it gives you kind of a map of what I think is going to happen. Tell me. So next episode is the building war the the dead walking to walking to winterfell but if you look at the the director's list the third episode is sapochnik mm. who's done all of the big battle ones right so i think the third episode is where the big confrontation in winterfell occurs mm-hmm. then there's an episode in between another sapochnik episode for episode five so I'm thinking episode four is a grand retreat where they flee Winterfell and head towards King's Landing because everything has to end in King's Landing. Right. It just makes sense. Although it's been really interesting thematically how much how much has happened at Winterfell and how important mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, and I think Winterfell gets decimated in sure. two episodes from now. Yeah. And there's an episode in between where they retreat from the, the army of the dead towards uh, towards King's Landing. Then episode five is the big final battle with episode six being kind of the epilogue and, I don't know, spring or something. It's so hard. It's just hard to wrap my head around the fact that it's a six episode season with a bunch of movies at the end of it. And that's it. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. So uh, really quickly talking about the uh, the idea that Winterfell is sacked. What happens in the mythology of this world when those trees such as the tree in, in their square gets mm-hmm. burned or broken or destroyed. Does anything happen? Uh, I don't think they've ever really specified it. I know that they talked about how the, the Southerners destroyed a lot of the trees, so there's not as many of mm. them around anymore. Mm. Um, but I don't think there's anything specific. It has a, it has a face. I mean, have they ever established that the tree has any um, any any magical properties or supernatural properties, or is it just a symbolic thing? I'm looking it up right now. It's called a werewood tree, and they they've got the faces in there. Uh, they think the children of the forest carved the faces mm. uh, during the Andal invasion six thousand years ago. The Andals cut down most of the werewood trees in southern Westeros to suppress worship of the old gods in favor of the seven. The only werewoods in the south are a handful of trees that survived in Castle God's Woods. Uh, they also survive in southern Westeros on the Isle of Faces. Oh. Uh, beyond the Wall, they're more prevalent. Um, in the okay. books, they live an extremely long time, and when they die, they do not rot. They become petrified stone, basically. Here's a thought. Um the origin of the White Walkers mm-hmm. is as a nuclear weapon generated by the first children. Or not right. the first children, the children of the forest against children the first men. Yeah. 
the trees are part of the worship structure of the old mythology that the children of the forest followed, correct? Right. So I wonder, given that we are seeing that the walkers still reference perverted versions of the same imagery, the same uh, symbols of worship that go Mm -hmm. all the way back to their creation, would they sack that tree? Would they even, I wonder if they would treat it with, um, like, would, would they consider it, you know, something sacred and move around it? Would that in any way prevent them from destroying Winterfell, the fact that that tree exists? Because if they're know. all over the north, I mean, if they're all over the, beyond the wall, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. who knows, maybe. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's, it's a good question there. because they definitely, they have ties to the weirwood trees the same way the children of the forest and stuff do. But I don't know that they they hold them sacred per se. But I don't know. Okay, I want to skip to a thematic question for you. What the hell do you think the Night King wants? <laughs> to kill them all, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's a perfectly good question that I have n- no answer for. For forever, it was. A uh, a boogeyman story mm-hmm. in the show, proven real, and they were treated as a force of nature. Right. They were treated as a force of nature, right? right? And then, as we've seen more development of the actual Night King and the engagement of battle, and seeing how he is leading the army at like a general mm-hmm. and that there is structure, this humanoid or not humanoid, but this human like structure to their forces. He's got lieutenants on horseback that are guiding the whites. They have uh, strategy. They take down the dragon and reanimate it. There's obviously a number of things. And then all the supernatural components, like you can see the war ravens and every, all these other things, but until they started doing those things, it was just, there was just this, this sea, a sea of zombies that was coming and, and that was it. And right. then as he's coming down and they keep referring to him as the Night King and all of the history of it, there's been all this, this implication that he's coming for King's Landing and he's coming for the throne. But that doesn't really make sense because... No, why, it doesn't. Why would a Night King give a shit, right? Right. And thinking about the origins of the, of the Walkers made me think that maybe their motivation is they're still running on original programming. If everybody in Westeros are descendants of the first men, mm-hmm. maybe their goal is, like you say, it is a variation on the simplicity of the kill them all, but it's specifically killing, killing everyone they were originally created to kill. Maybe, yeah. I maybe, mean, maybe that's, that's true. Technically speaking, that's what they were created for. It's, it, <laughs> It's kind of funny to imagine them completely decimating Westeros and spread, spreading the whites everywhere, taking taking everyone out, and then just kind of standing around like uh, like video games when the when the yeah. mission hasn't started or has ended, and then they just all kind of <laughs> just looking around <laughs> like like what does the Night King do at that point? You know? He's just like, well, I guess we we sit in the snow and play checkers or something. More crafts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So no, that, in, I mean, that is yeah. an interesting thought because his, his army's dead. So it's not like he needs food or anything like that. Maybe they're the only ones that can survive the long winter. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, and by that, by the same token, it would be interesting to think about uh, since they're divorced from the life cycle, mm-hmm. are they an evolutionary step forward versus the humans that they're decimating? Granted, they don't, you know, they don't have autonomy and everything else, but you know, when you, when you create an undead being that, uh, that has sentience to some degree is that, uh, and, and you're in a world that has, uh, you know, decades long seasons, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. that's <clears throat> by the same token, what happens to the, uh, what happens to the walkers in summer? I mean, <laughs> we don't know. Cause they're always back beyond the wall where it's never not sun, not winter. Right. I, I don't know. I'm melting. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> It's a really good question, frankly. I I don't have a clue. <laughs> That's been part of the part of the problem with this show um, as we've gone through these last few seasons. It's that they've they've spent season after season screaming, you know, winter's coming, they're coming, it's coming, everything's totally coming, and then we get to, oh, we're going to have six episodes to resolve it. Yeah, and you know, and and we've argued before in our discussions that the walkers are not really the point. Um, that the point are these character arcs between these different people and their power struggles, but. But by the same token, everything in this episode is reminding them, no, no, the White Walkers are yeah. So they're the point, but they're not the point. They're the plot point, but not the thematic point, I guess. I don't um, Well, this, so the episode started, so the whole episode was a um, sort of a recursive nod back to the first episode of the series, right? All mm-hmm. these scenes echo these scenes from the first episode. So we have Daenerys' troops coming in in the same way that the King's forces came in at the beginning of the series. You get the boys staring at him, getting all excited that there are troops coming in in the same way that they did when uh, Baratheon's people showed up. Everything down to the way Jamie is revealed, right? Like ev- there's right. all these beats, the, the Daenerys making comments to Sansa about her beauty in the same way that uh, Cersei did, but with much yeah. different results. You know, there's all these little little, little little bits that I like, these little callbacks that were a lot of fun. Um, I didn't remember a lot of them in, in as great a detail as people that uh, rewatched the series leading up to this and had them in their head a lot you know, more fresh. But uh, yeah, I rewatched some I referenced, of it. We, we yeah. kind of played season seven while we were doing stuff. So yeah. it gave us a little bit of a better background on where things land. But and then we kind of like cherry picked certain episodes, like we watched the episode where the Night King was made, yeah, and a few things like that. I think it was. Um, I think this whole episode was was all of these reunions and confrontations that we've been waiting for, and some have criticized that it was very, um, um, very neutral in tone, kind of hitting all the marks, very, you know, not very passionate about them. Um, but I I felt it was fine. I didn't feel that way, that it was particularly um, dull in its execution. I just think it was, it's the, it's the prep for the shit to come, you know? Yeah. It was a, just, it was a downbeat episode before things get crazy, but um, I actually really enjoyed almost all of the, uh, all of these reunions. Arya watching everybody come in and. Yeah. I love that. Not see, you know, they have not seeing her and her almost stepping forward and then not, um, really great counterpoint to her. Well, it's a counterpoint, but then also a nod back to how she was at the beginning. 
where she right. was the one that no one took seriously. Yeah. Right. No one took her seriously except for John. Um, thought that was interesting. Uh, my coworker not noted to me that Arya is dressed and is using dialogue that's almost exactly Ned Stark. Oh, yeah, that's like if true. You, if you do the parallels, she's talking the same way and she's dressing the same way. Has the same sort of uh, um, dialogue and the same approach. I thought it was interesting that... Um, it was interesting to me that uh, that John brought Daenerys's forces in and then... Like, there wasn't a lot of preparation for it. <laughs> so it really did yeah. feel a lot more like an invasion... Yeah, like there, there's tens of thousands of people and horses and dragons in this tiny little hold now. Yeah, <laughs> well, like all the all the people were very, uh, you know, like as they were coming through, and it it really reminded me how the North is a xenophobic for good reason, but it's a xenophobic place. They don't yeah. get a lot of the people from other parts of the world there. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I don't know the degree to which people were staring um, suspiciously at the darker skinned uh, <laughs> contingent <laughs> of this army versus just the fact that it's an, it's an invading Targaryen army to them. Um, but I really like that they did not shy away. In very, it was very um, true to the Northern character. That yeah, they absolutely. The, town hall. the North has always been their own separated thing. Yeah. And yeah, I think that they... They played that really well. <laughs> this is sort of like the frontier militiaman type that we have in, in, in our world. You know, it's the, you know, just barely um, connected to the, to, to the, to the government structure and, and the connections to the rest of the country, leave us alone and we'll leave you alone. Right. Yeah. And suspicious of everybody's uh, motivations. And, you know, I think it's, I don't know, but I think it's fascinating to see how they respond. And I love that it was young, uh, uh, What's her name? The uh, the the eleven year old. What's her name? Al Alana or the uh, the one that steps up and says, "John, what the fuck?" Oh, the uh... oh god, what is what is it? She's Bear Island, right? Yeah, yeah. Um... Medium content. Her name. I Medium her. content. <laughs> yeah. So amazing, but I cannot remember her name. Yeah, she. Autoplay crap. There we go. <laughs> I I love I love that she was the one who stepped up with everybody you know around her as usual. She's the one who stepped forward and just called it like it was. And I I don't know. I appreciate that. I thought it was very consistent. If if they had come in and everyone were like, "Well, we trust you, John," you know, yeah, <laughs> let's all bend that knee. I thought that the the betrayal that everyone felt from him uh, being crowned king of the north. And then heading off to to get reinforcements to save everyone, and then coming back and saying, "Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I bent the knee. She's really great. Once you get to know her, everything is going to be fine." You know, the new the new uh, the new romantic entanglement brought into the group of friends. You know, right? Who's in charge? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. So what? Do you, so the interactions between her and Sansa, in particular, were, of course, the. The, the main the main uh, thrust of conflict in these scenes, uh, I thought they were very consistent with what I expected. I didn't, yeah. you know, it, the fact that the fact that Daenerys even tried for the the sort of false modesty and humility of being great as the as the as the the head royal visiting one of their 
um, whatever, you know, one of their, their nobles lands always does, you know, this, thank you so much for inviting me into your home and everything, everyone looks so great, you know, <laughs> you know, that put a lot, that's, that's some work that she put into doing that. <laughs> right? Yeah, really. And with Sansa pulling side eye, I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, you know, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed this episode. It was all a lot of tape setting stuff, but I really enjoyed a lot of it. I like the nods to what do the dragons eat? And then she's like, whatever they want. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great little touch. Although it was also interesting that she was concerned about the fact that they weren't eating enough. Right. She said it was yeah, because they you were. You know, honestly, that was the weakest part of it was their little, I can show you the world flying carpet ride that they did. Never ending story. Yeah, because it just like if they'd taken them out to go hunting or something, I think that would have made more sense. If they'd been like, they need to fly, they need to hunt, and they yeah. found like a herd of deer for the dragons to eat while they did their cave loving or whatever. I think yeah. that would have been a little more logical as to why they decided to suddenly ride the dragons off. I think that makes sense. Um, it did capture a couple of uh, beats that I thought were good. I really liked showing how uh how hard it is to <laughs> to ride a dragon if you don't know how yeah. um and yeah. and yet at the same time how how uh, rare a scenario it is that the dragon's even allowing someone to ride and of course we know why but from their from their mutual perspectives it's because the dragons are accepting him because she is allowing it um but it is interesting watching those scenes knowing the subtext and also knowing that or suspecting that these creatures know about John in a way that she doesn't. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's very strongly broadcast that they know. Mm-hmm. And there, and there's a lot, the internet was a, a fire about, so, so to speak, about the fact that um, Drogon was staring at John. <laughs> he was trying <laughs> yeah. to do his, his sweet kisses, um, you know, and it was, it, it gets very, you know, oh, the, the dragons are horny and whatever else. And maybe. Well, I I thought of it more like my dog who always tries to get in between us when we're being too kissy, like kind of a cock block type thing. (laughs) Interesting. I, my interpretation of it was that Drogon was looking him directly in the eye with recognition that there Mm -hmm. was the binding that even though that's not, I mean, he rode the dragon named after his own father, but, but the dragons both were looking at him in the eye. Yeah. And, you know, usually they're up and around and over and being intimidating and stuff, but they were just mostly just staring at him. Yeah. And I thought that that was, you know, yeah, they're broadcasting to the audience, but also just in that sense, I felt like they were looking at him like, okay, you know, you know, we know, we know what you are. <laughs> you, you, you get our respect as well. I don't know. Anyway, you're right. The lovey part of it was just the most unfortunate thing. They just didn't, they do have chemistry in the scenes that are written properly. This was mm-hmm. one where it just felt really awkward. In fact, in fact, they're having this this great little moment, and I was thinking to myself, "Who is sewing her outfits?" And they've been on the road the whole oh, time. Oh man, the outfits are amazing. Yeah, they've been on the road the whole time, and th- where are the materials and the resources? This is a variation on another coat that she had. Plus, now she has purpley red clothes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm very <laughs> intrigued by that because it's not like uh, uh, the fucking. Um, uh, what are they called? Her horse riders are oh, known for their their seamstress skills, right? And and the uh, the unsullen uh, 
or unsullied, unsullied uh, don't you know necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Like you look at who he she has in her crew, and none of them are making these amazing outfits. So that's an extremely good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, another big reunion was the compound of Arya meeting Gendry, and then also the Hound in the same beats um, with very different types of connections for her, but those are very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that Gendry's commentary to her is a lot of book nods, but uh, you know, it is interesting to think that it's been so long since they saw each other, but she did have those like sort of stirrings or whatever with him. And now they've come <laughs> yeah. far enough along that, you know, she's, and he's still playing that game of, you know, like, Oh, I got to treat you like royalty kind of thing. But at the same time, you know, he's looking at her like, holy shit, <laughs> right? I'm still convinced that Gendry's going to learn how to make Valerian still. I think so, too. I think I so, just, too. It makes sense that it's a combination of traditional forging, dragon glass, and possibly actual dragon fire yeah. or something. Well, and they've made two, he made two very specific comments. There was this whole thing about how brittle dragon glass is and how hard it is to build weapons with it. And then mm -hmm. also he makes a point when she says, hey, I want you to do something for me. And he's like, but you already have a Valerian steel dagger. What, yeah. what, what more do you want? She's like, well, I want this mysterious thing, which may or may not be a harpoon or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly thing. what that is. It looks like a ranged weapon. And I think there was an image in the, you know, coming up next stuff that seemed to suggest that she had a bow or something. But regardless, it definitely was some sort of a ranged device because it showed something decoupling from something else i don't know but right well and there was a scene uh in the one of the trailers they showed of her spinning a spear oh That's yeah smart. interesting so i'm wondering if it's like a spear that breaks down to daggers or she can replace the tip on or something it was fun i like it i really think that yeah. there's a lot of importance to um, um gendry's presence not only as like you say a master forger that could make the difference when Weapons are weapons are almost entirely the key to success or failure when it comes to these creatures. Yeah, uh, and and they spent a lot of time and effort uh, again uh, delighting me with the supply problem <laughs> of, <laughs> of getting retrieving mi rapidly mining and transporting uh, dragon glass. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I think that's fun. But it also, when I see him, I think about the fact that this whole thing about the lineage and who has a right to the throne and everything else. He is still also very um, risky to be around because he does have a claim as well. Mm -hmm. right? Depending on which uh, usurper to the throne's line you're following, he either is the heir to the throne or he isn't. Right. Right. On the Baratheon side, he is. Am I right? Yeah, technically. Yeah. I mean, he's a bastard, but he's still. Well, anyway. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, Leah, yeah. So Leah, I had also written down Leanna's real talk. So that was the scene. <laughs> She's like, Jon Snow, what the fuck? Um, someone wrote on, in one of the things that I was reading online <laughs> that given the, the, the quote unquote chilly reception that Daenerys was getting in Winterfell, they wrote, perhaps Danny should host a barbecue to get to know the Northerners, which I thought was really <laughs> unfortunate because it was a live blog reference before <laughs> the, the Tarly conversation. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. One other thing I really liked in these reunions was the um, Ver bringing Varys in was fun. Um, mm -hmm. uh and how uncomfortable he looks, which was great. But also, I really enjoyed the uh, 
the meeting of Tyrion and uh, and Sansa after so long. And I was really struck by how hard it is sometimes to put in place in your mind the sequence of events and the time that has passed in the world of the characters versus what we see. Yeah. We talked, talked earlier about how, you know, Sansa and Daenerys don't know how badass each other are in the things that they've overcome. Um, right. But they're just seeing each other as threats. Uh, and But that's our view, right? Well, in the same case here, until they met, I didn't really, and he said it actually as I was thinking it, they really haven't been in each other's presence since the since the Joffrey incident. No, no, they haven't so, seen each other at all until then. That's an incredible, I mean, so from that perspective, technically they're still married, right? Yeah, well, I think it was annulled though because they never consummated it. But and it then she was married to Bolton. But it was never formally annulled. And her marriage to Bolton was was forced, right? So, right. I mean, I'm just saying it doesn't matter, but just from the perspective of their inner relationship, right? They, the well, last, they, I, the way Westeros does the marriage thing, if you guys don't get it on, it doesn't happen kind of thing. Because uh, that's why uh, Marjorie could marry uh, uh, the, the jerk that died. What's his name? Tommen? Or no, uh, the Joffrey, because yeah. she was technically married to what's his name, Rob Stark. Oh, that's true. Um, I liked, or that, not Rob, uh, not Rob, uh, the uh, the Baratheon. What was his name? We're uh, we, this is high content, medium content right now. Um, <laughs> you're talking about um, Renly, <laughs> Renly. There we go. Yeah. So, I think you're making a terrible mistake. The freedom to make my own mistakes was all I ever wanted. Okay, we're back from a slight hiccup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had to reestablish Raven contact, but here we are. Yeah, um, exactly. I, to me, I think also uh, one of the key um, interesting uh, moments between Sansa and Tyrion was it was another moment where it was hammered into us that Sansa has become a tactician and a wise, uh, if cynical, if petulant person. And Tyrion, who has always been the smart one, seems to be uh, running on hopes and dreams and emotion and despair and not accepting things that an earlier version of Tyrion would have had three different plans uh, in response to them, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I just think, I just thought it was great that she was like, I used to, I used to think you were the smartest man I knew. <laughs> he just kind of stared at the banister. Right. <laughs> so, well, I think Tyrion's had a lot of ups and downs as far as that's concerned. That's true. He, <laughs> that's true. I mean, he's made, sometimes he's gotten credit for things that, you know, he, he fell under a shield. <laughs> yeah. yeah really. Well, and he, he didn't get credit for stuff like the Blackwater. And so I think he's got that. And then they, he totally got outmaneuvered by Jamie when it came to uh, the Tyrells and the whole Navy right. and all of that that they were doing in the last season. Right, 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 right. He's, um, yeah, right. There's been a fair amount of, um, well, it, it, to some degree, though, you have to wonder whether it's self-doubt, right? Because yeah. Sometimes he seems like he's rallied himself, but other times I feel like he's, 
um, felt the burden of things slipping away from him and not knowing whether he can, you know, perform. If he can do what he's, he the one thing he's good at, right? Right. Dr- drinking and knowing things. He's not really doing much drinking. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, anyway, so speaking of knowing things, uh, Bran was the final big reveal in terms of uh, reunions in this part of the episode. And it was John coming up and seeing Bran and being so excited and saying, oh, my God, you're a, you know, you're a man. And he's like, you know, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and John looking down and seeing the wheelchair and thinking that's what he's referring to. Yeah. And he's not. So I thought that was good. Cool. Do you think he's like... I'm I'm worried that the whole Jamie thing is going to come to a head this next episode. I am too. And I, am too. I don't know how I feel about it. I definitely think there's going to be the trial or yeah. it's going there's going to be Okay, so let's think that one through now. So um but wait, so wait. So with 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 Brand though, he's there's a lot of que- there's questions in our minds, right? As we watch whether the, how much Bran is really there, right? He's been right. changed. He's been mutated. He's got his memories, and he's got some sense some sense of who he was, but he has transcended and become something different. The question right. is, he's also been blurting out stuff. Um, he has no, he seemingly ha- has no concern for civility or the way uh, interpersonal dynamics work anymore, right? He's just right. Being, he's just being the sayer now, right? So does he care that Jamie's there? Well, and so that was the thing. The one thing is he's saying, um, John has to know the truth. Mm-hmm. And I th- I keep thinking to myself, does he? And then, because if, I, if I the, feel like if anyone but Bran had had that information, they would have found a better time for Samuel to reveal it to John, considering how <laughs> emotional he was right there. <laughs> and why, and the fact that Bran uh, pushed it on Sam to be the one to tell him when right. it's his adopted brother. He could have still, I mean, he's been like, look, I'm creepy as fuck. Check me out. And also here's some secret, here's some <laughs> secret info. I think that would have worked just fine. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How much of this was uh, drama for drama's sake and how much of this was. So I'm concerned because every, you know, obviously there's this, this, you know, this, this theory that's gotten a lot of traction that, that Brown is the night King in some way or something. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I've been looking at his creepy choices and wondering and looking at the fallout from them and wondering mm-hmm. if there's intent to them when he seems to so blatantly have no intent and he's just spitting out information. Uh, at the same time, I'm like, well, okay, he pushed, he's pushing Sam to reveal to John something that can tear apart the Alliance um, that is being held together as their only hope in fighting the invading forces. Yeah. Why, why does he feel like it's important that, that John knows? Why does it matter that John knows if it's going to be create instability? Um, I, yeah. I, and the whole Azar on high thing still looms there too, yeah. as to who's what. And uh, my thing just auto played something. Sorry. Uh, and I don't know if that's where Bran is headed with that. If he thinks that John has a greater purpose because of who he is and he thinks that John might live up to it more if he doesn't think he's just a bastard. I don't know. It, it feels like it's, unless that's the case, it's just like bringing contention to the whole thing, and it's not making things better. Well, and by the same token, um, I think it's plausible that that uh, Ron doesn't care anymore when he sees Jamie. 
Jamie's mm. recognition was the second best um, facial acting of the episode, right? Next to Sam, <laughs> I mean, Sam, Samuel Tarley's stuff uh, yeah. was, was a masterclass in acting. He did an incredible job. His quiver yeah, chin. Heartbreaking. Yeah. But, but, but the, uh, but that whole sequence of Jamie pulling his hood off at the end, evoking his taking off of the helm in the first episode and then turning and looking and seeing him, you know, like that was such a great way to end the episode. And I can see around being like, you know, whatever, that was a lifetime ago and I'm not that person and who cares. But by the same token, the fact that we have this thing coming up, I mean, obviously there's going to be a, an, an accounting of it. Mm -hmm. um, who else knows about this? Arya knows, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be Arya is the one who says, Hey, he's the one who pushed Brent, you know, like he pushed Bram out the window and he should pay for his crimes kind of thing. He's on my list, et cetera, et cetera. Cause he is right. Right. So it may not be Bram that makes any comment at all. Mm -hmm. That big confrontation was a, you know, bringing those two people together after all of everything that's happened. Um, but not necessarily the reason why the conflict will continue. So I don't know. I thought that. Yeah. Really I mean, I could actually see Bran being the one that comes forward during the yes. trial and is like, look, I don't care. This is yeah, I've, old news, guys. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, also, there's ravens everywhere. And mm -hmm. it, it really makes me wonder how many of them. There's a raven in almost in many of these main scenes where characters are interacting. Yeah, like really just like wonder. walking in the background. And yeah, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, is Bram watching everything? Is he using his, his, is he working into all these ravens and knowing, is part of him knowing everything about everything because he's actively surveilling what's happening here? And then yeah. the other thing is, if if he's saying things uh, or or setting things in motion that are destructive to their cause, that does play into some of those theories that he's, you know, his allegiances aren't what they seem and he isn't what he seems. I don't know. Right. I hope that, I just hope that's not the direction they go. He's more interesting to me as, as the Raven than he is as some, some timey whiny version of the night King. The Hodor thing was already I, confusing I think enough. they've debunked that for the most part already. Good. So hopefully that's the case. I still but haven't wrapped same. my head around the Hodor timey whiny stuff. So I don't really want, I don't have to do a whole nother round of that, but yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay, so then we, the, I guess really the last thing to talk about is the, is the whole Tarly sequence, right? Right. It was so great to see her first come in with, uh, with Jorah and Sam pop up and be like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and it was so nice and it was so funny that she's like, I'll give you whatever you want. And he's like, oh, I don't want anything. She's like, well, you can. You know, you've done so much for my for someone I care about and everything else. And then it went dark. Yeah, right. And he's like, "Well, I could I could use a pardon." And that was such a Sam Tarley thing to say. Like, what the hell are you talking about, right? And the fact that it led down that path and watching Jorah's face going like, "Oh no, 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 no." Yeah, but, but it was. I mean, it was very impressive watching um, John. What's his name? I forget the actor who plays Sam Tarley. It was really interesting to watch him cascade. And spin mm -hmm. out in that scene. But he never loses his composure enough to say something rash. Right? Yeah. He just excuse me. <laughs> I got some I got some 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 a burning ember, not an umber, not a burning umber, but a burning ember in my eye. Um 
you know, I thought I you know, he, and he had had to excuse himself. I mean, I think that was really great. And it was still in character. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was an unfortunate sequence of events. Um, and then it led directly to Sam running out into the courtyard and seeing Bram and Bram saying, you know, oh, you got to go tell John, you should be the one to do it. You should go do it right now. It's really bad timing. Go for it. You're yeah. really emotionally charged in yeah, an you're, anti-Daenerys you're way. Very carefully. Yes. <laughs> yes. You who have always given good counsel to John are okay. all wound up about some really traumatic stuff you just learned and the betrayal and the heartbreak and all of your unresolved daddy figures and or daddy issues and brother issues and <laughs> hey go deal with this with John real quick yeah I mean <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny and also a little sketch right the one yeah. thing I, that I thought of after the fact is I thought about in the car the next day which was he said what are you doing out here and he said I'm waiting for an old friend mm-hmm. my first thought was that's a reference to Jamie that's what I assumed then I started wondering, is it a reference to the Night King? <laughs> like, uh, I guess that could be too, honestly. Yeah. And I guess it works both ways. But I, I took it at the time as it, it was, uh, you know, but at the end of the episode, I was like, ah, that's what he was waiting for. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, honestly, I think that's exactly where it is, is I think Bran, there's a possibility that Bran looks at Jamie as somebody that created yes. the Three-Eyed Raven. Yes. And that it's actually benefit that Jamie did what he did. Yes. And and let's not forget that he gave away a very um, a very pivotal dagger in his in the story of his family, right? He handed that thing off. So, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I, yeah, I think that is interesting. Um, it also every time I see him, I'm wondering who's pushing his wheelchair around. I I mean, maybe he's just wheeling himself. It never they never show him wheeling himself. <laughs> but that would always... be funny as him sitting super calmly, and then as soon as everybody walks away, he's like wiki 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 wiki. <laughs> So, no, there's no oil on the bearings, right? It's, like, you know. it's all just snow and ice, and he's skidding around corners. And... Uh, maybe, maybe Ghost, who never shows up anywhere in the episode, he just like comes over and hitches up to him. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of skidding around corners, and speaking of the name Ghost, uh, as a side note, I've been watching Star Wars Rebels, and there's a well, there's a ship called a Ghost, but there's a character in it called Chopper, who's the best astromech they've ever had. In okay. the Star Wars world, okay, and it's kind of a piece together. It's got like spare parts and shit, and so it's and it's and it's and it's got a cantankerous circuit or whatever it is. So it's got a lot of attitude. Anyway, you know how <laughs> um, you know how the astromech has a third wheel that mm-hmm. pops down, or a third leg with a wheel on it that pops down out of the center. Yeah, um, and then behind it is the thruster that they can use when they're whatever. So Chopper has instead of that third leg. He's got like, it looks like a um, a caster has been glommed on, right? So he's got like this loose okay. wheel there. Like it's a loose wheel. <laughs> and and he'll often, when he's got a hustle, he'll fire the, 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 the jet. And then uh-huh. he's basically zipping along on that wheel only, like a unicycle. Okay. And swerving around like all crazy. And so that's, <laughs> anyway, that's how I imagine... Um, Bram on the ice, just like, you know, just skidding around corners and down really steep stairways. And sure. <laughs> all those, all those incredibly steep, uh, yeah, non, non, uh, accessible stairs and stuff. Yeah. Although, although I do think in all seriousness, the, there's, um, there's a lot of focused imagery on Bram sitting in a chair 
in courtyards or sitting in a chair somewhere and not moving because yeah. it's a callback to how he's really supposed to be stuck in a tree, right? Right. Yeah. He is stoic. That's the thing about him. Okay. So then, okay, so then we get to the crypt and we have the big confrontation and we have it right in front of the statue. And, uh, you know, so the most important thing about that, I guess, in the story is Sam finally telling John his true Identity. Yeah, it's really more of a cliffhanger for the next episode to see how he handles it, because right. nothing really happens outside of confirming things we already have confirmed. But I thought, but I thought what was great about it, what was what was resonant about the episode, what was resonant about that scene was that Sam was pitching all this from a morality and loyalty standpoint. Like mm-hmm. he had been, he felt betrayed, and he was saying. Would you have burned my family? Yeah. Because he was like, say, would you have done that? And John was like, well, you know, I've had to execute people who didn't follow the rules. And he's like, yeah, but would you have executed my family? Yeah. And John being kind of stuck by that. Because he said, like you said, you you spared the wildlings. You've spared other people. Would you have spared my own family? And it's not quite fair. He doesn't understand the circumstances that they were actually actively prisoners of war. They had been fighting and refused to bend the knee. You know. She did make a point, and it was a very specific thing that she did that drove home something about her choices that was important. But him pitting that with John plays into all these things that John struggles with, right? How to be a how to be a reluctant leader when you have all these loyalties loyalty issues and you have uh, a moral code that doesn't fit cleanly with the responsibilities of royal leadership yeah i I mean it was a perfect person to tell him this news in a way that was going to fuck him up about it yeah absolutely it wasn't even about they didn't even mention the the incestuous component and i was actually pleased about that because i think there's a Mm -hmm. lot made i think there's a lot more made into that than there really should be in the context of the story but yeah, I, think, I mean, that's just a, I, in that world, that's kind of an accepted thing to a certain extent. It's so. it's going to be a thing because they don't know it about each other. And it's right. accepted when people do, right? So that's going to be the part that's creepy for them. But not that it's this horribly outrageous, blasphemous thing. There's nothing about that in this world that would prevent them from being a couple. So anyway, I think I, I like that the, the, everything about this incredible season spanning reveal about the very nature of John's role and who he is was, was, was framed in the perspective of everything that makes John's personality and makes his character what it is. Identity has always been part of that, but it also it's specifically about who are you really loyal to? Who do you really consider family? And what would you do with that family? And how do you do right from wrong when it's gray in a world like this, where all the right decisions are the are the ugly ones, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, that was I, I thought that was picture perfect, and a lot of people have been complaining about it. But I, I thought it was a great part one to a greater problem. Like you yeah. say, what's he do with this? Because he was, uh, you know, well, you know, you know, like he couldn't have lied to me, and you're know, like, come on, dude. He he was throwing his defenses up pretty weakly because he was kind of struggling with that information. So I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Next episode is going to be important. I think. I think that that is that along with the Jamie thing is going to be what makes next episode so critically interesting to me. But also how Sansa and the others react, right? Yeah. Now, does re, 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 
refresh my memory. Does anybody other than Brom and Sam and and uh, Sam's wife know John's true origin? Not current. Well, besides okay. John, nobody yet. No. So when Arya said, "We're family," remember that mm-hmm. she was just referring to, "Well, you've you've sworn fealty to a, a Targaryen. Don't forget who you are." Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Not don't forget who you are when you find out who you really are, who's not who you thought you were, <laughs> but you are. <laughs> All right. Well, I, you know, I thought it was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. The last thing was this reunion of the two uh, ranger groups coming together at the last hearth and finding their grim uh, arts and crafts display. Remind me why it was surprising to see the former Night's Watch crew show up there. Because people online have suggested that that was, we thought surprising. they were dead. Because they because everybody the, the last scene we had of any of those guys, well, I don't know where uh, Dolores Ed was. I assume he was at Castle Black last we saw him, but Tormund was on the top of the wall. He was on the wall right. when the dragon blew it apart. Right now, that I remember. But the Black's Watch, uh, the Black or the Night's Watch folk. I couldn't remember what their deal was. Were they just, weren't they also, so weren't they also at the wall? So they were, but I think they were at Castle Black. Oh, I see. So I'm, I'm assuming Tormund ran along the wall to Castle Black. Okay. And told them what happened and they all decided to take off for winter. Well, but they're meeting each other in this house or they're meeting each other in the keep by surprise. Yeah. So they, so I don't know if this is just plot, um, simplicity but you have two different groups from different sides of the destruction of the wall who have all come down and are meeting at uh last earth at the exact same time now are they there at last earth because this is in a linear chain down the road this is the yes the next yeah. so castle black and east watcher right up against the wall right last hearth is uh, about a third of the way to Winterfell from those two places. Ah, okay. So this was the lo- next logical place for them to go yeah, to try to find yeah, reinforcements of people. Like the only like notable establishment between Winterfell and Castle Black. Okay, and we it's anywhere near the King's Road. And when we last saw Lord Umber, he was in Winterfell and didn't have his people with him. Yeah, he and had some of them, and they were sending him up to get the last of them. He was going back. Now, re- refresh my memory briefly on the Umbers, because I was trying to figure out. So he's a young leader of the Umbers, meaning that everybody else had died off. Were they in? Were they with the Boltons? Or uh, they killed his father for killing. Uh, he was he was one of the ones that was with Bolton. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he... yeah, it was uh, technically speaking. The father, this kid's father, was with Rob, and oh. Rob executed him for being part of uh, something where they killed a bunch of Lannisters that were in prison. Ah, uh, okay. And then the older son became the runners of the Umber family. They sided with Bolton and Got were it. killed in the Battle of the Bastards. Got it. And this kid is now the younger son of the Umbers who is in charge of Last Hearth, was in charge of Last Hearth. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, so we have this final um, little body horror moment where he's pinned, to the, he's pinned to the wall, and you've got all the body parts pinned all around him, and it's creating the spiral, and then there you go. Yeah. And then he comes alive, and it was great. You saw his little blue eyes fire up right before he Yeah, that it. was great. 
and but, yeah. just a total callback to the the shapes that the White Walkers like to make and sure. everything else. I thought they did a good job with that. My first blush response to it was that it was very out of character because I have been thinking about them as this all all business force of nature. And then when I started thinking about it and, and talking to people and then reading about it more, I realized how many times those shapes, not just how many times the spiral has been shown, mm-hmm. but we have actually seen multiple incidences of the walkers creating those forms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they going back to the first... their whole murder house symbolic. Right stuff every time right 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 (laughs) so anyway i thought that was pretty great and i love that it caught on fire that was a really great effect Um, yeah that was one of the things that made me wonder if they really do have something more behind what they're doing besides just killing everybody because if that's what their plan is why instill fear and have this apology that they use and everything it it implies a greater purpose behind it. Totally. And whether that's just because it's cinematic or what, that is the one thing about the White Walkers that makes me really wonder if they do have something behind just killing all the men. Well, just- yeah. The, the What you just said is exactly what I was thinking. The, the, the idea that these images that they've created are for shock value for someone else to see or for the audience to see uh, makes the, that it's predicated on the idea that they did it for that reason. Right. And my, my feeling was more that they, you know, as I thought about it, that they were creating these forms because they are that creepy uh, religious process that it's, yeah. it's symbolism in a supernatural sense, but also maybe it actually has power. Like you're saying that they do this for a reason beyond yeah. just, but, but but I can't figure out, and I'm not really sure it matters, but I tend to feel like it's it's really just it's it's just like the like we've talked about earlier that they are just doing perverted versions of things that the children of the forest did and their original mythology that these are just edifices to a god or something right you know, it, I, you know I, I don't know I don't know I hope I kind of hope that there is no magical sigil or something happening that there isn't that they aren't creating ley lines or powerpoints yeah, or something I, I hope not but i'm curious it's yeah. hard to tell yeah so anyway okay so that's our so that's winterfell yeah it's like that was a great first episode i thought and i actually i appreciated the fact that no big um big moves in terms of battles or deaths or anything like that happened in this episode because it just ups the stakes for the remaining ones yeah <laughs> yeah i mean statistically i thought well we have to lose like two or three characters per episode. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, at this point I'm starting to wonder, you know, how this is all, are we just going to have a bloodbath or are we going to have, you know, less deaths than we think they put us in a position where any of that is plausible. So. Yeah, know. absolutely. All right. Well, that, that was fun. We'll, um, we'll wrap this up and then we'll talk again soon when we can about some of the other stuff that's been going on. Sounds great. Um, I wish you the very best in wrapping up uh, your supply your your logistics before heading out on your next show yeah and yeah. uh i hope it goes well for you and we'll talk again soon huh sounds good all right winter came yes it's still coming but it's arrived more, more for <laughs> you than for me <laughs> yeah i'm just looking forward to spring man <laughs>